0: I didn't know what you were working on
1: that's a good question that's we started recording not having any design for where they were going to land the songs mm. because they're so varied some could certainly be like the team songs and some could be terry anderson songs and there's actually some that are going to be mine
2: oh fun oh
1: so there's like 20 songs now and we just recorded another one today
2: wow that's amazing oh wow
1: so I don't I don't know where they're gonna land maybe they'll just be you know records that come out over the next year you know we just gonna we just decided to get recording and just get these songs done and so this one chainsaw repair shop kind of just quickly knocked it out and sat there thinking well it's just Terry myself and a friend of ours Dave Adams playing manic piano
3: there
0: you
2: go, Abigail. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask about that because I love the piano in that song. It's my favorite part.
1: Dave Adams is a long, 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 long term friend of ours who has had his own career having a band called Glass Moon and had hits in the 80s. Oh, wow. He was a big pop star then. Oh, wow. But he played with the Fabulous knobs and he's played with Terry and I for many, many years. So anyway, he came over and played piano on it. And so it really, when we got to the end, I was like, I think it's done. I mean, it's just Terry playing guitar me playing bass and Terry's playing the drums and Damon uh, the piano. The vocal is actually the first and only take of the vocal.
2: Oh, get out of here. That's fun. It's
1: doubled, but, it, you know, it's the one and only. I said, I don't think that you can do any better or worse. So let's just leave it alone. And and it just ended up being what it is. And I think it sounds pretty damn good. Well, we've been down, 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 hell.
2: Yeah, it's been stuck in our heads. <laughs> I looped
0: it today, and it played like five times in a row while we're getting ready to go out <laughs> to dinner. Just trying to get it in our heads for the recording, and uh, the whole time we're walking into the restaurant, we're in the parking lot going down, out, out,
3: out.
2: a repair shop. Down, out, out, out. a repair shop.
0: So yeah, no, it's very catchy. It didn't take very long to get it stuck in our head. That's for darn sure.
2: No, I was humming it after one play. That's so. Cool. And he was playing it in the living room. I hadn't been in the room when he started playing it Uh and i walked in and i said oh i know what this is i'd recognize terry's voice anywhere
0: (laughs) i feel like we're doing the episode without introducing jack or getting a beer but um i'll figure out how to pencil it in backwards (laughs) i did tell her that there was a slim chance that had we done it earlier today that terry might have been able to jump on and of course she got that ghostly look of like oh no he scares me but um
2: never met him before
0: but we will definitely whichever of those many things evolves out of the 20 songs when you have one ready to go we'll just do a better job of like getting and it scheduled. we'll
1: have a proper release maybe by december
0: oh wow there's a
1: bunch of songs that are mostly finished just getting people to come and just finish off a little bits and pieces here and there but there's probably another nine so ten is a good record ten songs
0: great record wow I wasn't ready for it to be that quick.
1: <laughs> you know, like getting together a couple of days a week. You know, and well, what do you want to do? Oh, I got this song. Oh, okay. I love that. And then some of them will never see the light of day.
0: But I like that you have them as a deck of cards, where you're like, okay, this one feels like uh, this was a Jack Cornell. This one's yeah. like an Olympic <laughs> well,
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, that's what's happened is that, that there are songs that they're not really Oak team songs, and some of them are like. Jimmy's Arcade was sort of a funkier, groovier record. And those songs certainly were not one of those ass team songs. And that's
0: a long album, if I'm remembering right. Ooh, there's a lot way. of material on there. It's almost an hour, right?
1: It's a really long record. Dixon is doing a, a song on this new record. Cool. I think I think the song with Terry is going to end up on the new one.
0: So here's a weird story. John Carroll, who we know, just toured with Mary Chapin Carpenter. They were playing in Asheville. Or not Asheville. I'm sorry, Charlotte. And uh, Abigail and I were going to try to get up there to see him while he was there. Go see John, say hi to John, and see the concert, obviously, and all that. Don Dixon is part of that band, Here. you know? So I thought, oh, if we can sneak in to meet John, maybe after all these years, we can finally meet Don Dixon in person. But we couldn't get up there to do it, so it was oh. a big bust. We, we didn't make it. I'm so bummed about it, but anyway. We
1: would have loved to talk to you.
0: We would love that Christmas song of his on that uh, collection you gave us years ago, that Holly Raleigh Christmas that you guys Oh, uh, yeah. He's got a great song on there Abigail loves and so it's like, oh, maybe we can sneak this in if we get in there with John maybe we can get a, a quick introduction at that point but uh so that's cool that he's on your new album this is all these weird loops, you know, all these endless loops that are so the reason we should probably introduce him and get a beer Abigail I feel like we're <laughs>
2: Yeah, we started in medius rest here.
1: It's like we just walked into the room and started talking. Hey,
2: how you doing? Well,
0: I may cut it that way. I may just cut this in and do the intro backwards like this. What the hell? (laughs) We have no
2: format. You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel.
0: And I'm Barry Hummel. And we want to welcome you to another special bonus episode. Uh, We are delighted to be rejoined by my friend Jack Cornell, who I've known for probably 35 years from my days in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jack, along with his musical partner, Terry Anderson, have written a myriad of tunes through multiple different bands. You can really catch up on all that musical history in a bonus episode we recorded and released in... uh, early 2022, when Jack released his first solo album, One In Wins. But tonight, we're here to talk about a brand new single that we believe is going to be released as an Olympic ass-kicking team single, Chainsaw Repair Shop. But the reason we discovered that that was going to be the case is because we had a guest on recently, Dave Zalatoris from Beer in Front, and Abigail, you, while we were reviewing the album 11 by The Smithereens made a uh, an Abigail Hummel School of Speaking Smartly about music reference because there was a song on there that made you think about a thematic song from the Olympic ass-kicking team, right? What was that? Yes.
2: So the song on the Smithereens album was called The Blues Before and After, and it was about sort of an emotionally abusive relationship and the man in the relationship sort of loving the emotional abuse. And it reminded me very much of the Olympic ass-kicking team song, Had Me It Get Lost.
1: Had Me It Get Lost, yeah. Which
2: is my favorite Oak team song historically certainly my favorite song on the National Champions album. And I played it for Dave as an entry into the Abigail Hummel School of Speaking Smartly About Music, and he loved it. (laughs) And so that inspired my dad to send him, or I guess, have you, Jack, send him an album, that album, National Champions, that has had me get lost on it. And I believe there was some exchange of beer. Well, (laughs) what happened
0: was I went to go just buy it and have it shipped, you know, from the old uh, record website. And I couldn't find the website. So I just pinged Jack and I said, do you have any
1: of these? That's gone away. It's all moved over to band camp.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I could have gone through Bandcamp and done
1: that then I didn't that's know not that. live yet so okay anyway we behind the
0: scenes engineered to get the disc to dave which by the way i got an email from him hours ago that he got it so he hasn't listened to it yet but he's got the disc and so when i said to jack how much do i owe you do you have venmo's hell what do i do he goes well you can send me uh paypal or venmo or beer beer I went, oh, beer i could do the beer thing and then <laughs> the, then the whole conversation about the single came up and i was very excited to hear that so let's start Start with the beer because we, I'm thirsty. We decided because it's so close to Oktoberfest that uh, I sent Jack a care package of Oktoberfest beers and some lagers from local breweries in South Florida. So I think the one we should start with, and we'll all have to dash to our neutral corners and grab them, is the Three Sons Oktoberfest, okay? Uh, which is one of the tall boys,
1: Jack. And my new girl,
2: oh no, oh, look how beautiful. My gosh, what kind of dog is that?
1: She's a vizsla. Oh. She saw me get some food out of the refrigerator and she was like, Oh, oh wh- what, do you, wh- what is that?
2: She's so pretty. I love Vijlas. Back when I was running more often and more seriously, I was looking up like good dog breeds to run with in Florida in particular, and Vijlas were at the top of that list.
0: All right, I've got the Three Sons Oktoberfest. So this brewery, Jack, this one's not too far from the Fort Lauderdale International Airport, and they're one of the best breweries in South Florida. I got you stuff from places we'd reviewed before specifically. That was my mission. Nice golden color on that. Fairly clear, a little opaque.
1: Like a little bit of spiciness?
0: Well, you know, I, I don't get any of that, but... No? From the odor? No. I still can't smell. All right, let's see. Mm. it's lovely isn't it Mm -hmm. it is there is a spice in there that's a
2: little bit of that's a clean beer though yeah but
0: there is a little flavor in there that i really like maybe it's the way the malts were roasted it's a a little bit of a not tangy that's too strong of a word but a little more bite than a typical oktoberfest i think
1: i want to say coriander but i don't i don't know that
0: that could be I didn't read anything about it online or do any of the homework we normally do because, you know, I'm being lazy because it's a bonus episode. (laughs) No no homework tonight. Good morning about drinking.
2: Why don't I quickly look it up on Untapped? Okay. We could
0: do that. 6% ABV on the can, but no other notes on the can.
2: A traditional German-style Marzen with notes of toasted bread and biscuit.
0: Toasted is there. But I think you're right, Jack. There's something in that spicy category that's a little different, but I like
2: it. I think it's delicious.
0: It's
3: really, really
1: great. Score one.
2: And Jack, you specifically requested lagers slash Oktoberfest beers. Is that right?
1: I, when he said, oh, what kind of IPA do you like? I was like, oh. Uh, I didn't say that. I said, what kind of beer? I thought I thought maybe, well, I said.
2: Wow, the assumption there. <laughs> well, we sent him so much
0: weird stuff last
1: time. <laughs> and I just said, oh, you know, I just, <laughs> no IPAs i'm sort of done with it everything is hopped to hell and you know
2: listen i hear you
1: you have one one ipa and well that's that's it you might as well just keep drinking those because you can't taste anything else <laughs> is that the old man in me yeah you're starting to sound a little like get off my lawn
0: there Get off my lawn get out of
1: the IPA <laughs> bitter hopped up hopped upness.
0: Well, you said something when you were on talking about your album. You said something about rip your face off. I think we used that line oh, about every God. other episode now that we, and, we, <laughs> and we credit you. You get a credit
1: every time 100%. we say rip your
0: face off. We say Jack Wernell's rip your face off because something we said to you last time. You were like, "Well, this doesn't really rip your face off." Yeah. <laughs> that's the new criteria. <laughs> so we were starting to talk about something before we went to grab the beers.
2: You were talking about you sent him beers, and then we. We went to grab beers.
0: Okay. So I set the beer in exchange for Dave's album.
1: Right. Hopefully he likes it. I threw some other swag in there.
2: Aw, that was nice. He liked that song a lot.
0: So I immediately, right after we got done recording with him, I was like, oh, let me just do this. But he says to me, he goes, I just dawned on me. I don't have a CD player in my house anymore. So I'm going to (laughs) listen to this tomorrow at my mom's. (laughs) And here I was like, I wanted the physicality of the disc, you know, that's because that's my whole thing is I like the physical piece of it. Yeah. He's an old school music fan. I thought, oh, this will be cool. I'll send him a CD. And then it backfired. I didn't realize he didn't have the equipment to listen to it anymore. That's funny. It's, It's a bizarre, right? Not even in the car, huh? he implied no he said at his mom specifically which i thought was pretty uh pretty funny
1: um, i mean all of them we've tried to make really cool art we did like a thing where the bars that are you know glossy and the rest of it's matte
0: i like everything about that album, jack i agree with you the packaging on that that's my favorite album of the olympic ass kicking team stuff i think it's a perfect album and willie mays is my favorite song in it
3: 756
0: I've said that to a bunch of people. I've referenced it on, I'll say Twitter because I refuse to say X, but Abigail will correct me in the, at the end of the show, but I go on Twitter and I interact with people all the time. And I, referred that to christian finnegan who has a i may have sent you a link about this the guy who does the uh new music for olds Substack newsletter yes you did and i know him peripherally and so i sent him a link to that and it came it, it made sense in the context of what he was talking about maybe uh, he was mentioned in baseball or the opening day or something like that and i sent him that and he gave it a listen and liked it but i may have peripherally tried to engage the members of the baseball project mike mills is very active on Twitter. And I may have tagged him in that thinking, no, oh, maybe I'll get the baseball connection to those guys. And he didn't respond to that or react to it. But I love that song. I think that song's so funny and such a great, dark, clever song about a really important, yeah. if you're a baseball fan, I whole Barry Bonds thing's, you know, really important. And uh, I think it's just incredibly well done. So yeah, that's the one. Every time I see some way I could slide that into a conversation, I keep pushing Willie Mays on people <laughs> from that album. I love it.
1: We've got a, we got another baseball song, um, Fat Lady in the stands.
0: i don't
1: know maybe Perry it's on Stone one of things. maybe maybe it's on one of terry's records now that you said
0: that, i remember the title but i can't i can't it picture might be on a it's on. live record i don't know what we have anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's a, too vast of a catalog to keep track of right well when you write 20 songs and you dish them out like a deck of cards what's it's because this is what happens right
1: Daryl actually wrote down i mean like made a list of how many songs it's like ridiculous hundreds of songs that he's got wow uh, they've been released in various places, you know, between the Oak team and his records and, the, you know, mine and the fabulous knobs and Dan Baird and all that, you know. And then other singers that covered his song. So the catalog is deep, as they say.
0: Well, when you say, and you, well, we sat down and we banged this thing out, this song, the song we're talking about, it's a very simple concept. It's a one line joke, really, that plays for two and a half minutes. I told you in some text that I sent you, I I kept thinking, oh, it's going to take a dark turn somehow, like it's a pre-Halloween release. And I kept thinking, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right, right. That's not it. It's just noisy. The guys are just working in there all the time, and it's just a bad place to live. And it just carries the joke right through for two and a half minutes. I think it's so cool. The fact that it didn't go dark is almost like a double joke. You keep thinking, oh, this is going to go somewhere else, and then it doesn't. Well, that's funny in its own right that it didn't.
1: When he sang it for the first time, Sitting here in the in the, the dining room studio and he managed to main check three not one but three brands of chainsaw yeah <laughs> <and, laughs> including muskravana <laughs> who in the world has ever managed to wedge that word into a pop song my hero listen
0: Chainsaws scare me. You know, my brother—he likes to go split his own wood and do all this stuff. And I'm like, you have at it. I'm staying away from all that stuff. That may—I don't. I like my fingers, all ten of them, right where they are.
1: Yeah, our art director Paul Friedrich is hard at work on art. We don't even art for it, this single yet. Um, I'm even trying to talk him into making an animated cartoon-ish little short.
2: That's fun.
1: Yeah, I said to him, "Hey, it's sort of like a Tom and Jerry kind of skit."
2: Oh, that's awesome.
0: I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask about that because, you know, I do want to put some art up for the
1: episode cover of this. So
2: I,
0: get it. <laughs> I don't think you may not get it in time for your own release. <laughs> you
1: know, it's going to be pretty soon because it's the release is you know, in a month.
0: Tell us how this other thing happened. So the song's going to air on this Mojo Nixon show on Sirius XM. You were telling me in advance even of the release, I guess.
1: Allegedly. I haven't heard. I don't know if he's playing it or not, but he said he was going to play it this week he is um just known him forever mojo nixon
0: you have you've known him forever
1: yeah oh wow i didn't know that he's you know he used to be in the clubs mojo nixon and skid roper they were everywhere and worked their butts off all through the 80s there's actually a documentary that just came out about mojo nixon maybe it's coming or it just came out I, i'm not sure anyway he's sort of you know bigger than life character i don't know he's a manic crazy man but he's got a radio show on uh, outlaw country um during the week from like four to eight in the evening U.S. time every night you said or once a week I think it's Monday through Friday oh wow okay anyway it's a great show of sort of Americana straight up country His tastes are pretty broad in terms of reckless rockin Americana country hick, not so hick you know
0: but he wasn't really known for that, was he, Jack? When A lot of his material, well, maybe I'm just basing it on a lot of the singles that I heard, like Hot, Hot, Hot. I didn't realize Outlaw Country would be sort of the place he would land to do a radio show. And I don't know why I made that assumption.
1: I just think his personality is perfect for, you know, it's like Wolfman Jack. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of shows, but they're really fun. Anyway, so just this long history of knowing him and then him being a fan of Terry's. And so I sent him a message. I said, hey... Get a song and we're gonna we've got these tour dates that we're gonna do in ohio it's only a week but ohio and maybe i think nashville as well and we said oh let's get a song out early from this thing because we won't have a record one to by then but go out you know drum up some interest get people out to see us and he liked the song so we said he could play it
2: awesome that's great
1: you got to listen to the show
2: to find out. <laughs> I
1: mean, I know how the song goes, so it's not like I'm, you know. You won't be surprised by it's it. It's still, after all this time, it's still the coolest thing ever, ever to hear your song on the radio. Whatever form of radio it is these days, any broadcast of it, you know, it just comes on and you go, wow, that's, that just sucks so, so bad, it's, it's pretty good. Is it fun because it's out of your control, Jack? It's because it's cool. There's a song that I'm on, and it's on the radio. That's amazing to me still. That is so cool. I I think so, too.
0: So how many dates are you doing? You said you're
1: doing a week. I think there's probably five dates or something. But they're like Columbus and Wapakoneta and Lexington, Kentucky, which is almost Ohio. And I think Nashville, and I don't know the other. But I'll do a better job with dates when I know the club's tied to the day of the week. Well, we'll track that down and share those. I wasn't well-prepared i'm really enjoying <laughs> it.
0: we're not well prepared either we just thought it'd be fun to have a beer with jack <laughs> <laughs> the the song came out with that well that's as good of an excuse as any right to uh, say hi and have a beer I saw those dates when you guys were opening for NRBQ. I guess it was one night at the Cat's Cradle, and I saw it, and I had severe FOMO. I mean, severe FOMO. And it was, again, it was another one of those. In my head, it was like, well, I'll just shoot up there and see the show. And then you look at your schedule. And there's just no way right. that I could drop everything for and make a 12-hour drive up to watch a show and a 12-hour drive back the next, or whatever it would have, have to have been. Right. And I really had some bad FOMO from that. And then the pictures came up of the show. And I was just like, I had more
1: FOMO. They were unbelievable, so good. And I thought we were pretty damn good too. We only played two old songs. Everything else was all of these new songs.
2: Wow, that's awesome.
1: And we just well, we're not playing anything. We're tired of the old songs. We're not, but you know, <laughs> because we did, we did. We played all new songs, but two. One was, uh, we did a cover, um, Tina Turner's, because um, she had just passed away nutbush city limits to me it sounds like terry wrote it it's just it got that sort of you know name place checking storyline and then uh i can't remember what else was there it was not was an hour it was old, maybe a hit i don't know you gotta play the hit <laughs> oh, well there was thunderbird or something we played something else but i can't remember. but all the other songs were all from this new batch of songs
2: that's great
1: it was great
0: how does a crowd respond to like it's all new material right so they don't know any of it right they didn't know any of it
1: and you know I didn't feel like it had been so long since we played the cradle and you know the pandemic and all the stuff that pretty much put a lot of distance and so i do not not sure that anybody would have said I don't know these songs you know like we just launched into them and we, we don't really talk much we just go from one song to the next and uh, it was like over and people were like oh those are really great that was a really great set we loved all those songs and I didn't hear anybody say why didn't you play anything we knew? It was a bunch of oldsters, you know, if you will, all long-term fans and for both NRBQ and for Terry and, uh, and the Oak team. So a couple of people said that Chainsaw song is pretty funny. It's like, okay, well, it might be hitting on something here. Oh, that's fun. People are remembering that, you know, 10 minutes later after the set's over. It sticks in your head,
0: man. It sure does. <laughs> I'll share it at the end so people can hear it. It'll just burn a hole right in your head. You'll be humming it and singing at least a chorus like repeatedly.
1: It just leaps out of the speakers, doesn't it? It's like, whoa. Well,
0: it's got a cold start mm-hmm. yeah. and a cold end on just Terry's vocal, yeah. right? In and out. Bye-bye. And I had it on repeat and I was saying to Abigail, it doubles back on itself on a loop very nicely because
1: of that. And it's AM radio, two and a half minutes. Get it said. Get it. Yeah, done.
2: fast and furious. It's mm-hmm. perfect.
1: Well, that's the thing. You know, it ends. You're like, it left you wanting a little more. Yes. Which is great.
0: It didn't burn out. It's welcome.
2: Exactly. Nothing I hate more than a song that is a little bit longer than it should be or needs to be. Like you're looking,
1: oh boy, it's still going.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And they're still going. Wow.
2: The best songs are the ones that are like two minutes, and you wish they were twenty minutes. Yep.
0: Well, on repeat, it can be, Abigail. You, you learned sure today.
2: Yeah. When oh, you
0: hit the
1: repeat yes. button, you get you get ten or twenty minutes out of
0: it.
2: Trust me, Dad. I'm familiar with the repeat button.
1: <laughs> I don't think there's any more songs to come on this batch that are that short i think they're a little bit longer They're more pleasing to the ear for a little more time so <laughs> i think three minutes of that song would be exhausting you know any more of chainsaw repair shop mike just really literally living in the chainsaw repair shop because it's just too much
0: except i would argue that i hit it put it on repeat because of that Mm. Like we probably, what, about four times in, Abigail was like, all right, I've had enough of the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> but it took four plays,
2: right? So that's about that's 10 true. minutes worth of it.
1: And there's no chainsaw solo.
2: Did you consider having a chainsaw solo?
1: Oh, you know, of course you were like, wouldn't it be funny if we started the song with a chainsaw? And then all I could think of was like that Jackal song. You know? It was a band that had a chainsaw solo. Oh. And I was like, no, nah, well, we're not going there. Let's just not do that.
2: Well, it would be reminiscent of the steamboat horn opening Battleship Chains. Right. Uh Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can
1: only play that card so many times, right?
2: And it's another,
0: you know, you were saying, oh, uh, some of these other songs will be longer. I bet if you totaled up all your songs and went, what's the average of your songs? 350, 410? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in the four-minute mark. You don't have too many long songs in your
1: catalog. Not too many. Oh, there is one on um, them. I'm not sure what's going to happen with this song it's called i want to be the drummer for the gap band (laughs) that's the entire total i want to be the drummer for the gap band and it's like disco length dance track length i don't know what we're gonna do with this song but it is it's rocking it's so great and it's old school like you know dc go-go kind of funk oh man i don't know what to do with this song We could have an alternative band name or something.
0: Another band name? Oh my gosh. I add another band name to your list. You no, know, because we
1: sort of fall into, every once in a while, we'll fall into these funk groove things. We've had, you know, they've been on, maybe we should just put a record of a collection of those out. Anyway, they're scattered around.
2: So what would you call this alternate universe funk band that you may or may not? I
1: don't know. I mean, I don't know what it would be AfroTude. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, I, you know, Terry says, I would just put it out of zip you know, it's like, <sighs> it'd be really funny to have like, you know, a little three or four song release that is these, just these funk songs that come up with. But it, it's a good one. It's just speaking of long, it's like six minutes long. Because of course it has an Ernie Isley guitar solo all, oh, wow. And, you know, swirly and, and it's funky and it's funny and, you know, it's, Terry's tongue-in-cheek you know I mean it's kind of like I have to listen to the lyric again but I've been avoiding it just because I don't know what to do with it you know you think oh yeah but that that's his dream I just want to be the drummer for the Gap Band nothing else matters (laughs) early in the all those do you know those songs right yeah yeah did you know that the Gap Band originally was Leon Russell's band
0: I do know that because I just listened to one of those a history of rock music in 500 songs that touched on Leon Russell peripherally. He wasn't the main focus on it, but he kind of came through one of the arcs of the story and there'll be more of him later, you know, kind of thing. But I don't remember which episode it was. They're getting longer and longer and longer and great, but just they're, they're dance now. And it's fascinating because, you know, a lot of this, I didn't know some of the stuff that he's drawing those connections to. But man, you got to be paying attention. It's like really like a PhD level of knowledge of rock. And I retain some of it. I can't retain all of it. Yeah, yeah. He just did uh, an episode, got him to the first half of the band. And it was released within a week or two of Robbie Robertson passing. And I, there was a lot in there I didn't know. That whole thing with Dylan up in New York, like that whole basement tape session stuff. I kind of knew of it, but I didn't know a lot about it. And so it was really, really good.
1: I just love the idea of what they were doing. And I feel like, trying to keep that thing alive get getting together in the rec room or the dining room or wherever and just making some stuff up, just make some songs up. And that's what they were doing. Like Dylan, we'd come over and, you know, all this writing, yeah, going on. And it ended up in so many other places. I, I get a lot out of that show, but it, it, sometimes it is
0: exhausting. Abigail, shall we rate this beer and think about another beer real quick?
2: That sounds good to me,
0: Jack. Are you rating tonight, or are you just sipping on the side? I uh, <laughs>
2: extracurricular sipping. <laughs> I think
1: that this beer is outstanding, and I would have it again because it sort of hits all the marks. It's it's not too much. It's got nice flavor. It's not too sweet. It's not too dry. It has nice body to it. it doesn't disappear at the end like so many beers do these days. And it's not that um, usually these beers are a little bit. Foamier, but this is not. This, this, it was not particularly foamy. No. This is really hit my heart Or maybe if I was just in the right place for this beer. Head space was, you know.
0: I'm taking notes on which one you like in case I have any extras in my fridge. I can
1: send your way. So we get another? Oh wait, 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 still are still ready. I am jumping
3: ahead.
2: We need a numerical rating.
1: Number. What was from what to what? Zero to five.
2: Quarter point increments. Quarter
0: point increments for those of us who only use the free app. <laughs> And I forget what you said your baseline was last time we did this. Here, I'll give you an example. My base is three and a half means I would drink it again. Three, seven, five means I liked it. Four means I liked it a lot and on up the scale to five. And I'm going to give this one a four, which is pretty high for me for an Oktoberfest.
2: That is high.
0: And I think the reason I like it is because there's a flavor in there that is a little more spicy or not dry. That's not the word I'm looking for. is different for an Oktoberfest, just a little bit. It's still an Oktoberfest, still drinks like an Oktoberfest, but it's got a little something in there that's different, and that's what I like about it. So I'm going with a four on that one.
2: I don't think I have gotten that flavor that you both are talking about. I find this to be just a very clean beer. It leaves the palate fairly quickly. It's really easy to drink. Just a really nice, smooth beer. It's a little less malty than a lot of other Oktoberfest beers I've had, which I don't mind in this case because it is just a very light, clean, fresh tasting beer. A little more malt would drag that down a little bit. So I'm giving it a 3.75.
1: But I'm going to say it's a four because I really like right from the first first taste i thought this is really nice and and i drank it a lot of it
0: <laughs> well this is uh, like i said before three suns is a really really top-notch brewery down in the fort lauderdale area so i actually went to the brewery to get you got two from this brewery and one of the loggers is from this brewery too because i went down there specifically looking for stuff
2: if anyone is interested in hearing additional beers we reviewed from Three Sons. We reviewed them in season two in our Corey Chisel and the Wandering Sons episode, which was, I believe, around January of 2022. So go look for that if you'd like to hear about some more Three Sons beers.
0: And they were very big in the ABV category.
2: They were, and they made Dad go off the rails a little bit. So
1: toward
0: the end of that episode, I'm a little off the rails, Jack, from the (laughs) Three Sons brewery.
1: Well, the last episode we did, I mean, the one that I was with you, (laughs) (laughs) I served a bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to suggest for the second one the smaller
0: can. Jack probably won't mind that. From um, Infinite Ale Works in Ocala, Florida, which is up towards Abigail. So we're all going to run to our neutral fridges.
2: It smells boozy.
1: Oh,
0: really?
2: Indeed. What's the ABV on this? Sorry, one? I had to
1: rescue the drumsticks from the three month dog, dog? oh no <laughs> they look like things we could chew on no okay
0: buzz fest buzz fest from infinite airworks
2: this is much closer to the color i would expect of an Oktoberfest beer much more orange in color and it has a boozy smell to it
1: a little hazy
2: and it is a little hazy
1: oh that's pretty
2: i'm gonna look it up on untapped
0: it's 5.7% ABV.
2: Oh, interesting. Because Untapped has it at 6.5%. <laughs> really? Yeah, weird and no description, so I can't give you any other info.
0: Well, here, there's something on the can. Let me read this. On the side of the can, it says, the myth and the legend live on. The village of Spanish Springs was the first town square at the Villages, this massive Central Florida retirement mecca. The mythical Spanish Springs were home to Wilhelm Sibald, a brewer of obvious German descent. The Spanish Springs Brewing Company was created as a tribute to his legend. Then a new legend was born thanks to the brewer at Spanish Springs, Buzz Brown. BuzzFest is a tribute to these accomplishments. Wilhelm Sibald's October Oktoberfest beer became a village's sensation, not to mention multiple awards as the best Oktoberfest Marzen in Florida. Thanks, Buzz, for allowing us to continue this legend. Oh, wow, that's cool. That is cool. So this is a recipe that they obtained from another place. This brewery's in Ocala, Jack, which is about 35, 40 minutes below Abigail. And it was an early one. It was like the only one in Ocala for a long time. It's been there six or seven years at this point. In fact, they're expanding now. They make a lot of really good beer in that little place. And we uh, actually reviewed some of their beers on the Jayhawks episode that we did this year. Right, Abigail?
2: Yes, that's correct. Earlier this year, I believe March or April 2023, um, the Jayhawks album. Mm-hmm.
3: Great. Thank record.
2: So go listen to that if you would like to hear more about beers from Infinite Aleworks. And yes, Jack, a great record. I loved that one.
0: And that was one that uh, came to me through you. That was a recommendation from you way back in the day.
2: Oh, yes. We call that one the Jack Cornell Cinematic Universe.
0: That's right. That's right. The
2: JCCU. I forgot
0: about that. I had a series of albums on a row because I did mine somewhat chronologically. And so when I got to the North Carolina years, like every other album I put into the mix was something that you turned, like it was the the Jellyfish album. It was a Jayhawks album. There was probably two or three other ones in that. And I kept going back and forth. There's another one from Jack. And so she (laughs) invented the term,
2: the Jack Cornell Cinematic universe J-C-C-U. the jccu it really rolls off the tongue nicely
1: this is lovely another good one it's like honey looking at it in the glass it's like a you know big jar of honey it's also a little sweeter right
2: it's honey-ish on the palate as well it
1: is but i also get like caramel apple happening in here mm-hmm. caramel for sure
2: what i was smelling as boozy is maybe just sweet <laughs> Because I definitely thought it has sort of a barrel aged type of smell, but that may just be the sweetness and the honey and the caramel. Because that, I mean, that all comes from the barrel in the barrel aging process as well. So,
0: but it drinks like it's heavier than the previous one. Yeah. Right. It's a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Also, it drinks stronger than that ABV
1: suggests. It feels like a heavier beer, doesn't
2: it? It sure does. And, Jack, that's so interesting that you said caramel apple, caramel,
1: actually, cider. It's like a cidery kind of...
2: You're totally right. At the end of the sip, yep. there's sort of an apple-y fruitiness in there. That's so interesting. Talk about fall flavors. <laughs> this is a fall fest in a glass.
1: It really is. It's very like, here we are at the state fair. or
2: <laughs> If this is dropping on September 22nd, that is, I believe, canonically the first day of fall. Is that right?
0: Yeah. It might be the 23rd this year, but it's in the ballpark. And also... Oktoberfest, historically, is the end of September in Germany. So we're right in the Oktoberfest season.
2: Yes, we are.
3: It is
1: an Oktoberfest festival. We
0: did an episode last year where we had recorded in this little town, Sanford, Florida, outside of Orlando. And we were in this German marketplace. I, who knows why? And we found a rack of CDs. And on there, there were these Oktoberfest accordion CDs. So we bought one. And then when Abigail announced her next album, she says... I want to do the album. We just bought neither one of us knew anything (laughs) about the the album. So I was like, all right, I'm in. So we did this whole episode about Oktoberfest and we tried to learn about the accordion. We didn't know anything about any of it. So we did some research on the accordion. Turns out this guy who was playing the accordion in Sanford had moved from California when Epcot opened and he worked at the German Pavilion in Epcot forever as an accordion player and now that he retired from epcot he moved to sanford where he was like the house accordionist from this german restaurant and he had these discs for sale in the adjacent stores so he sent me this whole email with this whole story after the episode air and he says thank you so much for bringing attention to these songs and this <laughs> music and I guess he got a kick out of it because we didn't know what we were talking about. We're trying to do the German pronunciations of the songs on the album. It was just silly. But what we learned is there's only a handful of beers that can technically be called Oktoberfest beers in the German tradition or the German brewing tradition, the the handful of breweries in Munich. And so we tried to get some of these specific beers for the podcast. We didn't do great. We found a couple of them, but it was a lot of fun to do that episode. So we get a chance to listen. It's a bizarre because it's all accordion music. What's the name
1: of that band from Texas that, had an accordion player, but they were more—they were a rock band. Oh no! Uh oh! I mean, they were a—you know—they were a big deal, as anybody was a big deal in the eighties. And I love them, but they were crazy. <laughs> I
0: can't think of it. Are you familiar I know with of it. I know of it. Can't think of a jack. Drawing it a blank. It—it it was fast-paced music, right? But it wasn't quite Zydeco, right? But right. It, it, it was, right. It was right.
1: Right. Popped up. Uh, rockabilly accordion.
0: Rockabilly. Music.
2: Yeah. All right, so I, I, I did a Google. Uh-oh. Was it Brave Combo?
1: Brave Combo. That's it. That's exactly what it was. If you haven't heard that, go enjoy that. They were so much fun.
2: Wikipedia describes them as a polka slash folk slash world beat band based in Denton, Texas, founded in 1979 by guitarist-slash-keyboardist-slash-accordionist Carl Finch.
1: Sweetheart of a man.
0: There's another entry from the JCCU, Abigail. Write that
2: down.
1: (laughs) You'll love it. It's just great.
2: God, their list of genres. Listen to this. Latin alternative, polka, world beat, Tex-Mex, salsa, Latin jazz, ska, and dance.
1: How Texas is that, you know?
2: Very eclectic. Tex-Mex
0: was the term I couldn't think of. When I was talking about fast-paced, not quite Zydeco, I was looking for Tex-Mex and couldn't come up with a term.
1: I mean, it was like Tex-Mex ska. It was so kind of manic and
2: i do love ska i don't listen to a whole lot of it but gosh i i love horns and yeah. ska's great for horns <laughs>
1: yes it is maybe what we'll do is we'll put
0: we'll pick one of those albums out abigail we'll put it in the jukebox with jack's name and then he'll be obligated to come on and talk about it with us if we pull it out of the jukebox yeah
1: when we leave tonight i'm gonna have to dig up some some brave combo.
2: yeah
0: well figure out what album you think would be the most representative I think I only know some of the stuff peripherally. I wouldn't know a whole album's worth But that's why we do the show. I need to learn. And I didn't have Jack in my life for the last 20 years to recommend albums, so I had to go with, have Abigail suggest them now. because
2: Now this is the AHCU.
1: That's right. They've got like 40 records. Oh, jeez.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: Humansville might have been like their first sort of. Anyway, it's there's a, a million of them we will conduct some bench research the most recent record was 2015 so wow wow
0: 1979 to 2015 that's a pretty good career that's a damn good career when did you guys meet and start playing jack
1: just to put that in perspective <laughs> Terry and i started playing in 1978 okay so your career's longer
2: okay, so you have brave combo beat
1: <laughs> call it a career i don't know it's been a sort of slow motion car wreck <laughs>
2: And I was going to say a very profitable hobby.
1: <laughs> a very unprofitable hobby. <laughs> that meme where, you know, $40,000 of gear in a, a $5,000 car for $200 in a t shirt.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I could teach you a less profitable hobby and I could introduce you to podcasting, but uh,
1: we're not in for all that gear. That's for sure. <laughs> Tom Dixon, they made this record, uh, a live record called Suddenly, his band arrogance. And uh, in the liner notes, they totaled up the amount of, if they'd been paid like an hourly rate for all the time and, and it was like $2 an hour, you know, at the end of it, you'd made nothing. But you don't do that for money, right? We don't do any of this stuff money just, just to get by so that you can do it again.
0: Right. What's the old thing? If it costs you $50, there's a finite number of times that you can do it. If you make $50, you could do it forever. The thing is, right. As long as you break even or you make reinvest a your profit, bit, well, you, you get to continue because you'll, if you drain your resources all the way down, you don't get to continue to do it. So the, the goal there is to be, you know, just one notch above break even. So we got a lot of catching up to do on the podcast, Bill. There we go. The Pops on Hops budget needs a little help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
1: you get nice microphones, you know? The
0: gear. That's what I'm saying. The gear's not Jack,
2: it's not the beer.
1: Expensive. It's,
0: it's when, the beer. So, <laughs> the beer is all about the beer.
2: <laughs> the beer is the continuing expense. Our microphones have lasted us since we started but it's the beer that is the ongoing
0: cost. I bet we have less than (laughs) $500 of gear (laughs) that allows us to record in two different ways. You know, we can do the whole digital thing like this. We can do the whole thing live in a place. But when we go live to a place, like I always laugh, we did one in uh, Vero Beach. It was near where my dad lives, my aunt. And we went to this brewery, and Zach came down. Abigail came down. My aunt came over. She brought a friend. They were all on the Pops on Hops tab. So I go out to close. I go out to close the tab, and I look at the tab, and the tab's like approaching $200. And I look at it, and Zach out of the corner of my eye goes, Oh, by the way, I put this shirt on there. And he just walked off. Like he put a T-shirt or he put a, it wasn't even a T-shirt It was like a button up, like a bowling shirt. It's like a $35 shirt. He said, I put this shirt on the tab. I'm like, you're not even in the podcast. You didn't make any contributions. All you did was drink beer
2: and get a shirt. I didn't get nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing here. They take us for granted, Jack. They really do. Right. I went uh, to
0: the brewery and all I got was this stupid podcast right? (laughs) That's what my shirt said.
2: I paid a $200 tab and all I had to do was edit for five hours. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But the best part about it is we get together very frequently. We do a lot of them in person. It's been so much fun to go places and record live. And we had a really cool thing happen. It's going to be the next one that airs after this. We went to record an album while we were here in Hilton Head. It was an album suggested by Abigail's uncle who decided kind of at the last minute that he wanted to jump on and talk about it. Well, we didn't know that. So we had set it up to do it in a brewery. So now I had to figure out how to do. I had him on Zoom and we were on our live mics. This was a brand new thing to have happen. But on top of that, the brewer was going to try to pop in and tell us a little bit about the brewery. So we get about a song into the album review and this guy pops on and he has so much fun during the interview that he stays for the rest of the podcast. So now we have another guy reviewing the album with us. we got three people live. we got my brother-in-law on the Zoom and we're trying to drink and rate beer. Nuts.
2: His beer in front of him.
3: Oh.
2: And we're rating his beer in front of the brewer. And like discussing it in detail.
0: And he goes, I've never had people discuss my beer in this much depth before. <laughs> he says this on the show. It was bizarre. It's so much fun. It's it gonna was be awesome. such a Great, fun episode. But the challenge of, oh, shoot, we got to get Todd on while we're there with this gear plus Zoom. How do we do it? And we, we managed to pull it off. And now we know how to do it. Now we can do it anytime we want to do it, right? And again, with just the stuff we already own. We were able to put all that together at the last minute, not the last minute, a couple of days in advance. We had to figure it out. We ran a test here in the condo the other night to see if the gear would work just to do it. Or was he going to have to call in by phone? We didn't know, but it all worked out. It was a lot of fun. So going back to you, all these songs recorded, you're going to try to get an album out in December. Do you know which of the various band or solo names you're going to release that first collection
1: under? Uh, It really depends on how many members of the oak team are on the songs because you know it's terry playing drums or his his son will who's a brilliant musician but will is also playing guitar and a bit of keyboards here and there so this is a non-answer we've all thrown everything in and then dave will come over and he play guitar on some songs gregory has been over to play keyboards and our friend dave adams has played keyboards and so the ones that sound the most like the Oak Team would be an Oak Team record, especially if they have members of the Oak Team on it. Even though this song is absolutely an Oak Team song, the Chainsaw Repair Shop, there's really just two guys playing the record. Not by design, it's just that how, that's how it happened. But this song would likely be an Oak Team record on an album, whereas some of these other songs, which are a little more serious, for lack of a better word, you know, a little more thoughtful than the, you know, the silliness of the Oak team is more of a, you know, tongue in cheek sort of careening around the room kind of band. And some of these other songs are a little more structured and focused and neither descriptions are, are negative. So that is a non-answer. I still not sure. <laughs> and I don't think Terry is either which songs are going to be where. And again, He keeps coming over with another song and another song. And whoever comes to play on him gets to be in that band or not. These days, I just think you don't just keep writing. They'll find their place.
0: Right. Part of it is the content of the songs or the style of the songs. Part of it's the content of the band is how you're going to make the determination. But you also kind of implied that you have a core group for the Olympic ass kicking team. But if you have other people kind of play in, that's all right. If Terry's son plays on a track, or somebody else comes in and plays keyboards, you're not going to say, "Oh, no, it can only be these four members to be the Olympic ass kicking team." Right. But there's got to be some core members, and there's got to be the content that matches sort of the ethos. band represents the yeah. ethos of that band. Right. Okay. Perfect.
1: You know, it's like any band. You have songs that don't really fit. You know, they, they never see the light of day, or you know, they go on the solo record, or they go to a friend to sing and
0: play so you said oh we might have an, an album out as early as december
1: it's possible because there's no there's no physical anymore so you know it's just basically setting up the streaming and the i mean if we make any i don't know if we're going to even make any more physical records although a local pressing company in town has actually started making vinyl so get oh. out boy is that expensive the reason why people charge 25 for their new lp it costs $20 to make yeah but that being said jimmy's arcade was on vinyl and the last oak team record was on vinyl so Oak teams kind of overdue for a record even though the oak team has been playing all these songs we go out and we play these songs the four of us so i don't think we do a bad job of it but
0: so would you come at it as let's do an oak team record then let's find the 10 songs that fit the content and the core group of people and put those together as a package are you going to pick that first? You're going to pick which ethos or entity is going to be the, if it's a Terry solo album, you got to pick these songs. If it's the Oak team, you got to pick these songs. Or are you just going to pick the 10 best songs and then figure out, well, that should be a whatever?
1: I think that's probably the more likely scenario. Sort of like, you know, what the Rolling Stones did for years was they just recorded a bunch of songs, and then the ones that were finished went on the record. Gotcha. For better or for worse, those are the ones that, live together. They seem to like each other. And so they should be together.
0: Yeah. But there's something to be said about the old days of just, you'd go to a place, maybe the sound at the studio, Muscle Shoals, right. Uh, Stax records, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones did stuff in France. It sounds different than some of the other stuff. You too did that, right? Octoon Baby, they go to Germany and they record a package of stuff. And part of that is it sounds different because they're in a different recording environment. Maybe they have a different producer. You know, maybe you record 20 songs there and you pick 10. They all kind of live in the same space because they sound kind of similar, similar producer. But you guys, you always work in the same space. You always have the same core group of people. They're not going to sound technically very different. You end up producing a lot of it. So that's not going to change radically. So you're going to be able to look at a list of songs. You could bank 30 and then figure out how you're gonna package them and put them out over time. You're not pressed or
1: rushed. I think that's kind of where we're at now is just get them recorded and then figure out where they who they want to live with. Yeah, right. There's not even anything more clever than that.
2: Yeah, truly.
1: Although every record we kind of set sort of like arbitrary parameters. So for this one, I said, let's make records like we did in the eighties or the late in the seventies now it's really easy right to make a a record and sort of polish it up and you can have a million and a half tracks and it just goes on and on and on and on and there's no reason to not keep recording because hard drive space is infinite and you could do anything right and there's no limits but i said "Let's, let's make it like we had 16 tracks and that's all you could do and you had to make the record fit Onto sixteen tracks. It's like limit all the options. The things that you would really need make this record with guitars and a bass and a guitar, you know, and as real instruments as possible. People playing them have real keyboards and real, you know, synthesizers or whatever. Trying to avoid as much any, if all, s- sampled things. Right. Just trying to like reel it in. Too many options you just get lost and so keeping it very very simple and sort of remember how we used to do it for instance you have 16 tracks and you have the vocal in sections right you have the chorus and the verse and then you would have a section where they're not singing because that's where the guitar solo goes but with 16 tracks you could only make the solo fit in that hole where there was no singing on that track on that piece of tape and so i was trying to like Let's kind of like work like that, that things just don't cross over and lay off. And then, oh, we'll fix it later. No, it has to be real. It has to be now and commit is I guess the word I'm looking for is commit to what you're doing for better or worse. People might go, that's dumb. Why would you do that? But just to set some parameters, like this is how we're doing it this time. So we sit down, learn the song, play it to each other, play it to the machine, the tape recorder, if you will, and then. Stop, you can't do anymore. That's it. If that part's not good then replace it and you have to play it. Can't go back and fix a little bit here and a little bit there. Play the whole thing. We can argue that, you know, we should be able to play a song at this point in our <laughs> career. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like there's a lot of I don't know if you notice on I know you like National Champions a lot. That was sort of our more experimental record if you will. Jonathan our producer at the time or our engineer produced all that stuff with us had just made up loops you know he was also intentionally breaking the mold of rock band you know some dudes with noisy guitars that are out of tune he was like well let's do this let's make a drum loop let's make a keyboard loop so some of those songs are are really based on loops that we went and played over the top of them Hmm. and I love that about those songs and playing them live they become a rock band song but you know, you can go back and listen and see if he can sort out which ones are
3: are loopy.
2: We saw someone do that live the other night. We saw someone with a loop machine play a little riff, loop it, and then play over himself live.
1: So cool, isn't it? It's very cool. Yeah. It's
2: really cool.
1: Yeah, you got to be really focused on that. There's this uh, fellow named Liam Finn, who's Neil Finn's oldest son, who does that. And he does it live, and it's stupendous. You know, he'll set up a little bit and a little bit, and he'll build on it, build on it. And then he leaves the guitar behind and he goes and plays the drums to the end of the song. Oh, wow. At the same time. That's
2: awesome. It's like learning a secret about how music is made that as a listener, I feel like I'm not supposed to know. You know, it's a really cool kind of behind the scenes look into how some music is actually made, but you're, yeah. you're seeing it happen in front of you live, which I think is just fascinating. That is
1: really cool when, when people are good at that.
0: And here's the thing, he was so good at it, Jack, and he was playing on a little dockside stage at a restaurant where I'm not sure if 15% of the people at the venue were even paying attention to what was going Mm
2: -hmm. on. Well, we barely picked up on it too.
0: Well, I looked up and he was doing this sort of, he started hitting the thing to get a little rhythm section going after he did a guitar. So he did like a guitar intro and then that started playing in a loop and then he starts doing the rhythm section. He's just banging on the wooden guitar and then that gets somehow looped in and then now he plays over top of those two tracks and he did it in real time. And the first time I saw it, I was like, I didn't seem to do the first loop recording. I just said, Oh, he's just playing to a track.
3: Mm-hmm. The
0: second time I caught what he did. And I was like, Oh, no, that's way more complicated than I thought it was. He, he did it live in the venue. He didn't just like turn on a machine and there was this guitar thing that he was going to play over top of. Oh. He started the whole thing by doing it and then layering it and then layering it and then doing a live song. I thought it was great. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that this guy who was doing this really good job of playing... Uh, a lot of 70s folk style rock and that he was doing this really elaborate thing in the corner of this restaurant mm-hmm. and like nobody was really paying attention. It's so sad. So I will go back and listen to that album and see if I can pick that up.
1: Yeah. It was our little sort of psychedelic Sergeant Pepper record in the sense that just trying to mix it up and it was pretty successful in a number of those songs. So I thought.
2: I was going to say, I find it really interesting what you said about adding the constraints for yourself. We yeah. have referenced several times about Brian Eno's oblique strategies and I think that was Yeah. That was also sort of the whole idea behind that was that adding a constraint, no matter how arbitrary as some of those oblique strategies are, channels your creativity in a particular direction where if you have too many options, you could just get totally lost. And I took a poetry class in college that was very much the same way. I mean, every week we had to write a poem that was as our homework assignment, but we had a very specific set of constraints mm-hmm. for each poem. Sometimes as specific as you must include the words apple pie in your poem, you know, like like truly very specific. And there would be five to seven constraints each week per poem. Yeah. And it was amazing to see what everyone came up with completely different ideas and themes and styles. Yeah. But all with the same constraints because you it really does channel your creativity in a very Particular way. So I think it's really cool that you did that on this record.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just said, you know, we sit down in front of the computer all the time and we're making stuff up. And so it's like, let's make these rules and we have to work within these rules. And I think we pretty much have stayed within these rules. I, I don't think anything is that elaborate. And just making it very sort of clean and focused, putting those constraints in makes it, makes you focus a little bit better. I think you're like, you're saying with the poetry is like, you have to narrow down every crazy sort of distraction that your mind is going to throw at you
0: well and also the workarounds of the constraints end up making you think of a more creative way around it right Mm -hmm. when you have an infinite number of options it's almost too much to digest where do i start what do i do where do i go and when you have a handful of whatever the constraints are and you need to find those channels around them I mean, what was it the beatles recorded sergeant peppers on eight tracks right four was it four tracks i thought that was the move from four to eight with sergeant peppers
3: no, i think
1: the white album basically they put their hands on some eight tracks maybe some of the stuff on magical mystery tour they went over to olympic and they had an eight track they broke ranks and said, we don't want to do this anymore we want eight <laughs> we want more than what you're giving us here at this drafty old abbey road nonsense. <laughs> don't you think they deserved it at some point <laughs> you think they deserve the extra four tracks <laughs> you watched. you watch the get back thing right I have, it's uh I think that, you know you know now that I mentioned that I I think that too that maybe having watched that all of us watched it that we focused us on writing and recording like you know watching McCartney bang out get back while the others are in f- real time yeah 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 John is you know still in bed and <laughs> ringo's hung over and, G- and george is having a smoke right and he's over in the corner just like and the whole time i'm going
0: california grass dude that's the you know where he's going you're right
1: don't you know the words <laughs> come on a, you know you're sitting in the- but it was fun to see it in real time in real time out of thin air and still with the constraints of it, it was them they just had the four of them to make it happen and and i think that after watching that and you know approaching songwriting again is a very organic thing instead of piecemealing it and spreading it out over many people in many locations and all that kind of stuff
3: right right i think
1: it's probably helped a lot of people having watched that you know and then they've come back to make a record and they go oh well let's get on with it you know don't waste any time waiting because you may not have another record you know right well should we talk about this beer oh, no it's getting warm you know you've really hit on it the second one is Pretty wonderful.
0: Yeah. Uh, and again, like I said, another great brewery up in Ocala that we've recorded on location at this place. So I saw this one. I was like, yep, I want that one. That's why I picked those two. If we get to any more, great. If we don't, we've hit the probably what I would guess would be the best two. Who's going to go first on the rating? Abigail, you want to go?
2: I can go first. It is starting to verge on maybe too sweet for me. I don't think I could drink much more than I have already had. Yeah. But what I did have, and especially when it was cold, I really enjoyed it. It's getting a little kind of syrupy as it's warmed up. So I'm going to give it a 3.5, but it is honey, caramel, apple, almost a boozy or barrel aged quality to it. it. It's all very enjoyable. And, This is also not what I would classically expect from an Oktoberfest beer. We've had sort of two different ends of the spectrum on the Oktoberfest beers, where one was way lighter, cleaner, crisper than I normally would expect. And one was heavier, sweeter, more syrupy than I would expect. And both have been enjoyable, but I would give this a 3.5. I'm
0: going to parallel everything you said, Abigail. This is a heavier Oktoberfest than you typically get. As it's gotten warmer, I think the caramel has really become a much more prominent flavor. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think as it's warmed up and it's become a little more heavy, a little little more caramely, I think I like the first one better. So I'm going to give this one a 3.75. I'm
1: going to go with a 3.5 as well for essentially the same reasons. From the top, it was like, oh, this is a very fall apples and caramel and honeyed sweet and even looks like honey but as it's gotten warm it's really not very attractive <laughs> it's, it's sticky sweet and yeah. kind of thick and i wouldn't likely have a second one in a row probably wouldn't happen i would just be like hey, that's enough but the first one you would have I, yeah i completely love the first cold crisp almost ciderish kind of beer but good on them it was really nice excellent two uh, corners to the refrigerator
0: Here's what I'm going to suggest. Shall we end the episode and then just socialize over the third one?
1: Okay, that sounds great. Maybe you don't have to edit another 45 minutes of blah, 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 blah.
0: (laughs) Well, Jack, thanks so much for jumping on here. We can't wait to hear this new album. We'll put the links to the single in the show notes. We'll try to get everybody to go listen to the Mojo Nixon show on Sirius. But more importantly, when this new whatever it is, whoever it is, let's do this again. And let's get Mr. Anderson on here to intimidate
1: Abigail because I think that would be great, <laughs> great fun. Outstanding. I know he would love to do that. So,
2: Dad loves seeing me starstruck. So,
1: the <laughs> elephant in the room.
3: I will. <laughs>
0: Super quick story. I, we may have told it last time, but when we were coming through, Abigail was on her college visitation tour. And we had dinner in the Mexican place in Chapel Hill. And she was so starstruck because we were playing that <laughs> National Champions album, which she loved. And you came in and you had some discs and you oh had my some gosh. Stuff. Oh my God, Jack. She yeah. was just, she was so starstruck. <laughs>
2: that was so much fun.
0: That
1: was so much fun. I agree.
2: We should pull up that old photo and put that on the website.
1: It's a pretty wacky photo,
2: it is a really funny photo. I always love a good photo, and I know it's, I have it in the-, <laughs> the Hummel family archive.
1: That's a good one. Thanks for having me. It's always fun hanging out in the virtual beer hall. Oh, yeah. Well, the beer is real. The drinking
0: is virtual, but the beer is real. See
1: you next time when we have a record to talk about.
2: In the meantime, if you need more Pops on Hops content, you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at Pops on Hops Pod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you. Or you can visit our super cool website, Pops on Hops That's where we put bonus photos, videos, and other materials related to each of our bi-weekly episodes. That is also where you can submit to our virtual jukebox for a chance for your favorite album or even your voice to appear on the pod. And on behalf of Hops... And Pops...
1: And Jack Cornell...
2: We'll See you next time. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: <laughs> First, I got brand new music from Terry Anderson. He's the drummer in the Yehoos. He wrote that song, Battleship Chains, and I Love You, period, uh, for Dan Baird. He's, uh He lives down in North Carolina. He's crazy as a one-eyed tick on a rabbit coon dog. Terry Anderson and the Olympic ass-kicking team have a new album coming out this fall.
3: Here's the first single, Chainsaw Repair Shop. Hallelujah.